are again with the BAM Biz Talk podcast with BAM Consulting and the new mayor of Midland, Miss Lori Blom. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. And congratulations to you. Well, I appreciate yes, it. Yes, double that. For sure. It's been a good two weeks being here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You know, it's it's like the, what we say about entrepreneurs, right? We're the saying about entrepreneurs, right? You just got to jump and figure out how to fly. That's exactly right. Don't hit bottom. That's, That's exactly right. right. <laughs> uh, we got confidence in you. Well, we, thank we, we you. You do a good job. Thank you. So, you know, uh, we're very interested in, like you, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you, you have a history of business. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you got going on. Sure. I was actually born and raised here in Midland and my dad was in the oil and gas space and um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom and so went all the way through Midland schools and um, actually graduated from Midland High and went on to Hardin-Simmons University and uh, was there for three years. So I graduated high school in three years and then college in three years and so then I'm 20 years old and I have to be a grown-up and nobody told me that that was too fast and so wasn't really ready. Um, I was in a big hurry and I don't know why. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my early education and then, um, spent five years teaching high school in El Paso, El Paso, Coronado. It was fun. It was very fun. I love the kids. I, you know, if if I could have just taught kids, then I would have kept doing that for a long time. But the other, um, the, the other drama of, of what it is to be an educator was too much for me. And so I exited that space and stayed home with my own kids for a few years. And then my husband and I started a small business in 2013. So that's a little background on me. It's still going. Right? It's still going. Yeah, it was 2013. Um, and that, you know, was a small consulting firm. And we can get into more details about that if you want to. I'd love to. In fact, one of my questions would be is what were some of the ups and downs of just starting the business? Yeah. So in 2013, when we started, um, my husband, you know, we staked our life savings in a business. Oh, yes. I had my All third, yeah, I had my third baby. My dad passed away and we lost two grandparents between us and my third baby had some health issues. And so it was just a perfect storm of a year of life. You know, we all look back and have those years where you think, how did I survive that year? Um, So 2013 was that year for me. Um, And so it was really through the diligence and perseverance of my husband that our business was successful because he was able to keep that going when I was dealing with postpartum depression and all the other things that happened that year. That's a lot. Um, so it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot to push through and a lot to just, you know, have faith and show up the next day to, to work a little harder again. You so. know, it's being forged in the fire. It is. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, she's got a husband, too, that really is bright enough to take care of just about everything you can throw at him. It's very true. It's and, very uh, true. He's, he's remarkable. You know, and then his wife is the mayor. Y'all are like a super team. A right? power team. Yeah. A power team, yeah. There's no Batman and Robin here. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, we, we've kind of hung together through all of that and got that up and going in 2013. Wow. What The goal actually was to just have this consulting firm to pay our bills while he was doing a fundraise to build drilling rigs. And he wanted to have three to five highly technologically advanced, um, wow. kind of pushing the envelope on technology for drilling. And... Um, so the consulting firm was just the little ancillary thing, and that was not going to be the big picture. But through all the fundraising and everything that happened, um, nearly got that close about six different times. We had deals that looked like they would close, and then they fell through. Mm-hmm. And then the, the bottom fell out of the oil and gas space in uh, at Thanksgiving, uh, Black Friday of 2014. Yeah, yeah. And we woke up and realized we have no debt. We don't owe anybody any money because we didn't build these drilling rigs. We never successfully got to a deal. Maybe that was the Lord's protection for us that we don't we didn't get the thing we thought we wanted. Yeah, you didn't overcommit. Right. 
And so we looked up and we had this consulting practice that was being really successful. And we decided, let's just go all in on this consulting practice and develop that out fully. Be thankful for the thing that we have that's working and press forward in that. And so we pivoted, you know, the the challenges came and we looked at what was working and what wasn't. And we went with what was working. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's what entrepreneurs do. Let me ask, what was, uh, what would you consider to be the value proposition that you were offering to your market space? I think this was really Jared's vision to be really people oriented um, as we were putting out consult and he is very people oriented, um, but to be able to put people out to intentionally have experts in their field um, for well site consulting. So drilling completions and production where there are three main areas of specialty, but especially drilling in those early days to find the best, most qualified person for the specific job. Um, And so those guys functioned as the general contractor on a drilling location or completions location. And so we were resourcing them and we were able to provide them the the insurance that they needed and the training that they needed and the, the back office support. But one of the main value propositions we found was that we paid quickly. Um, if they could get us their invoice on a Wednesday, we would get them paid by Friday. Wow. And we would do that every week. That's and unheard of. So yeah. that was that was the thing that really attracted, because in that situation, you're marketing yourself to the consultant and to the business uh, where the consultant will right. be working. And so we found ourselves really able to be marketable because we paid so quickly. That's your differentiator, mm-hmm. big time in the oil and gas industry, because everybody's taking 60, 90 days, 120 right. in some cases to pay. Right. Mostly 120. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, the other side of me is, is when did you think that you can do this? And really, we kind of drove that home to you that, yeah, look, we can do this. And this is why. I think that Jared was the one that believed we could do this. And I believed in Jared and his ability to do this. Um, And so he was really the risk taker and I didn't believe myself to be an entrepreneur in in those early days. I thought I wanted a safe thing that was really predictable, but I was willing to let him try his dream. We had saved some money. And so this is the time when we're young and we have time to make it up. If we are not successful, let's try it. So really it was believing in him. I think my role in in the company came in as we just needed we were ramping up so quickly and he needed help and support. And so I came in to do that help and support and then quickly found myself handling all of our corporate finances as we grew way beyond what we thought we would grow to. And so that corporate finance piece was where my niche came in to manage cash flow, to manage all of these different lot. things. And it was a lot. So especially if you haven't done it very much and all of a sudden you've got a growth potential here, right? And you're not prepared for that. And I'll be honest with you, I find that a lot of companies get to that point, and that's when they start to fail. Mm-hmm. They get, one, overwhelmed. Two, they don't know how to, um, let's say, manage money, mm-hmm. and that seems to be a huge problem. And, in fact, that's probably around, I would say, somewhere in the 80s, upper or lower 90s percentile of failure is monies. Mm-hmm. But that's not really the, the huge failure. The huge failure is the idea that we've got a product and we can't sell it. Mm-hmm. So the idea has no ability to enter into the marketplace because we don't have any idea if it'll even work. Mm -hmm. That's why I was asking you, um, typically we have a proof of concept somewhere that tells us, yeah, I know we can do this. Um, Not that I think we can do it. It's the idea we know we can do this. Mm -hmm. And I know a little bit about your husband, and I I just can't imagine that he'd be any other way. 
Right. He's so, very driven. He makes yeah. me look like milk toast, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> Did you tell him you're mayor? <laughs> well, I, I do have to remind him occasionally. There you go. Yeah. Um, let me ask, how far have you grown? I mean, you started off small, and all of a sudden, it sounds like you've really gotten out there. Yeah, so we grew over, you know, started in 2013, actually got down in 2015. The summer of 2015, we only had one consultant working continuously, mm-hmm. and we got down to where our cash position, we knew how many days of operating capital we had left in the bank, and we were looking at how are we going to get go I forward. I hope a lot of people just heard you. We had an idea of how much cash flow we had to cover us. Right. Um, yeah. Good point. And so we ended up, we had a, a client that came to us that Jared had been calling on faithfully for years and he'd never given us any work. And Jared went one more time and he said, if you can, if you can pull me 15 guys together, I'll give you all this right. work. And so Jared was able to get it done. And, and so that was a pivotal moment. We grew from one guy in the field, the summer of 2015 until 2018 and 19, we had 140. Um, and so that was a lot of guys to manage yeah. a lot of, a lot of moving parts. Um, but unfortunately after COVID, you know, two weeks after oil went negative, we had 14 of those guys that still had jobs, um, because all of those drilling jobs, they had laid off their personnel. And so we looked up and had this, we had had a critical mass right. of, of consultants and we'd had a lot of success, but we only had 14 guys and we had too many commitments for our insurance policy and for some other mm. things to be able, we couldn't sustain our insurance policy with 14 guys. And so we, it was painful. It was, it was really painful, but we looked around the, the space that we were in and had two competitors that offered to pay us a little something for the MSAs for our bigger companies. Ah, yes. And so we sold mostly to keep those guys in a job. We were not sure how we were going to be able to keep those guys in a job and and be able to meet our commitments. And so we sold those MSAs to competitors in 2020. And it's my first term on city council. And we exited the space. Um, we we kept on with one or two consultants on some projects that we were co-invested with, right. you know, that we didn't need those insurance policies and those high limits because we were part of the deal. Um, and we kept on in that space and ran ahead. And then I hot, Jared pivoted out and got a job um, with another company for a couple of years. And um, he did a great job for them. And, and I took, you know, the little money that we had made on that from a, from our competitor that paid us for our book of business. I hired a a reservoir engineer and he and I started vetting oil and gas deals. Um, there was a lot of stuff available because the commodity markets were down and so we could acquire something for relatively inexpensive. And so he and I started vetting these deals and making offers on things. And we finally closed on one in 2021. Um, so about a year of looking, um, almost exactly a year to the day from when we sold that our book of business, we were able to find an oil and gas asset, uh, a production asset. And so we bought something in Hector County and he and I ran that, ended up changing up our team a little bit and now have, have expanded that quite a bit. And so, yeah. And Jared's come back to Octane and he's running things again with me. And so it's been not without its hiccups and difficulties. Did he uh, come back because you uh, said either get your butt here or I'm, I'm out? <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know, I think that there was a moment in, mm-hmm. there's lots of moments actually where I thought I'm, I'm a high school social studies teacher. I'm not qualified to vet oil and gas assets on paper. I do know what I'm doing, but it's because I've learned it on the right. job. But there's, there's a lot of moments, I think, as an entrepreneur where you look up and you're like, I, I, I'm not qualified to do this. Mm-hmm. I can't pull it off. Hopefully they're smart enough to say that. Exactly. That and and to find the guy that yeah. can help exactly. you get it done. Right. And so, you know, we've had 
a big group of folks, you know, the right banker and the right insurance agent and the right folks standing behind us to give us the resources we need to go ahead with the stuff that we know how to do, which is oil and gas. Um, And so that's been a huge benefit to us. It's all about relationships and resources. It is. You know, and I'll be be honest, that's been most of my success is having resources and those really, really important resources, Um, especially during the times where, you know, you don't understand what you're doing. You don't know what direction to take this. And, you know, we can't be a pro at everything Mm -hmm. that uh, enables us that success. So why not depend on others to help us get there while Mm -hmm. you're sharing the experience? Um, You know, that's missed a lot for some of these smaller companies that don't realize how important maybe your competitor could be to you. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in the restaurant business during COVID, I have heard uh, people exchanging foods because they couldn't get them Mm -hmm. and still keeping their competitor alive and well in the market. Right. Well, and I have found in the oil and gas space, because that's what I'm most familiar with, Mm Most of the time, if you are a gracious competitor and you're willing to, we don't, we don't all show how the sausage is made, right? Right, We have some things that are proprietary, but to the extent that we're gracious and we're willing to share ideas, it's beneficial to everybody. And there's really no drawback to that. And so I I think that a lot of people here in Midland see that and believe that. I do too. Um, I think the new people coming in need to understand the importance of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but really, that is the aim for success, mm-hmm. is being able to share your ideas, your thoughts, your experiences. Uh, in fact, we have a, a board that's full of resources that actually surrounds our startups with all sorts of resources. Really, what we're trying to do is stop the failure rate of mm-hmm. uh, 97% over the course of five years mm-hmm. and really increase their uh, sustainability within the, the marketplace here. Right. We don't want to help people get into business and say, well, good luck. Mm-hmm. See you later. Uh, we really want to be that partner for the life of the business. Mm-hmm. So um, that's typically what we've been doing ever since we've opened our doors. Other than, you know, doing things that maybe are missed, we don't have, uh, we have educational components. Mm-hmm. We have a wide variety of expertise. And again, I will never say I know it all. Uh, because we're all constantly learning mm-hmm. to be the best that we can be. Right. And obviously that's what you had to go through. Oh, for sure. And I think that the in a business that's as cyclical and yeah. ever-changing as the oil and gas space, yeah. you have to be ready to pivot. And if you don't pivot when it's time, then you die. Yeah. And um, so sometimes the name of the game is keeping your name in the phone book, as Tim Dunn has said. Um, and if you're able to keep your name in the phone book, um, then you're going to live to fight another day. That's but it's right. when you panic and you make a knee-jerk reaction um, that you find yourself where you can't keep it. Absolutely. I think it's the difference between being proactive and reactive, Mm -hmm. right? I I like something you said earlier, your your team, right? Mm -hmm. You had to change up your team. So you're building your team. You're building your your warriors who are going to go to war for you. Right. You know, I think that's that's so important to a lot of business owners. They look at a resume, ah, great credentials, right? But what about their character? What about, you know, right. the other, the untouchables? Right. Does that matter yeah. the culture? Right. Right. And I think that that was, you know, I said that it was painful when we had to sell all of that in 2020. And I think the most painful part of it was we had the best team we'd ever had. You know, you, you build this building block, you know, everybody's their own piece and the, all the yeah. gears that have to shift in the cogs of this thing. And we had it down. We were doing, we we're clicking along and we liked the people we were working with. It was going so well. And, we couldn't sustain it. And so the pain of that, um, these become your family and you've walked through hard things together. And so that part of it was pretty traumatic. Um, and we're still actually rebuilding after that because we, 
there were several key folks that we were not able to sustain through that. So yeah, it, it's hard and it's difficult. I think it's, it's the thing that keeps me engaged in entrepreneurialism though, is this ability to employ people and to push forward with human flourishing. We want, that's one of the things that we talk about yes. a lot in our shop. What, what are we doing this for? Of course mm-hmm. we want to make a profit, but we Purpose. want to bring other people along with us and increase their level of success. And so. absolutely. I, something that Michael always says is, you know, when I hire somebody, I'm not hiring them, I'm hiring their family. Mm-hmm. Right. So he said that quite often. It's true, right? Because yeah. you're, they got people to feed, mm-hmm. you know, and they depend on your choices, right? Uh, your decisions to make sure that you're driving the business in the right direction. So, uh, you know, they can depend on you as much as you depend on them. It becomes a mutual effect. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I often wondered when, when do you find, and I know now you're going to be really hard to find time, but when you were in, in this, going through all this, uh, what was it like to find the right employees, uh, being able to have them a part of that now that we're speaking about employees? I think one of the things that we learned actually from someone that hired Jared when we were in our 20s. Um, when we lived in El Paso and he was applying for a job and he had had several job interviews. And then the final interview was with his boss and her and his wife. And they interviewed both of us. So it was like the final thing was we went to dinner with them and spent some serious time with them. And because they were hiring Jared for a meaningful role, and they wanted to make sure that there was great alignment. And we learned something from that. And so as we're hiring key folks, we do the same thing now. Yeah. Um, we, we have a dinner with, you know, Jared and I go together with their spouse. And I've, we have found that to be really important. You know, as, as a couple, I pick up on things that are different than Jared Absolutely. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so the two sets of eyes on something to pick up areas of concern or things to bring up. And it helps because we're both in our business too. So we know technically what, what are the skills that are needed Mm -hmm. there, but we also pick up on the soft things. What are, what are the value structures and the, the intangibles that are going to be really important for a long-term. No, I love that. So Henry Ford used Mm -hmm. to hire people, his main people like that, take Mm -hmm. them out to eat. Yeah. And he'd even get so detailed to where if they put salt on their food before they tasted it, he would, Nope. Yeah. Too impulsive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I got to say, my wife has always been really good at the interviews. Um, I kind of just kind of go with what my heart and my gut says. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's more of a departmental, you know, working in departments of, of, of what she's getting back from each mm-hmm. one of the folks that she's interviewing. Um, I find that to be. You know, very strategic, and she's really taught me a lot. Even though I've done this for, I don't know how many people I've interviewed, mm-hmm. but she is extremely. And I hope she's listening because I'm sure maybe I get a special dinner or something. Yeah. I get home. Talk her up. <laughs> yeah, she is absolutely one of the smartest people I've ever met in an interview situation. To where she can pick it apart. Mm-hmm without you even realizing, and I'm sure you're capable of doing that, without even realizing, you know, the guy sitting next to you is saying, wow, I, I didn't think about all that until we got outside talking about it. Mm-hmm. And now it's like a, it's a huge puzzle that just came together with her abilities of acknowledging what's important and what's not. Mm-hmm. I think to me, it's why it's a benefit to have men and women at tables mm-hmm. of decision making, uh, because there are things that men see that women don't see Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And so when we have a plurality of leadership, 
um, that's representative of a broader group of people, we're going to make better decisions. Um, and so that that pertains to decision making on who you're going to hire. But it also goes to, you know, what I'm doing on city council to have female voices with male voices at, at, at the table making yeah. decisions. We make better decisions for our community as a whole. Yeah, the, the projection of uh, thought, understanding, mm-hmm. knowledge. I mean, it all comes together from different uh, avenues. Um, going back to employees, you know, one of the biggest things I find that's a huge problem here is being able to keep employees. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any insight on maybe how some of these employers throughout the premium can keep an employee? One of the things, um, and I think I would say we've had good employee retention with the exception of 2020, which was catastrophic and right. painful. But other than that, we've done well. And I think it's because we are learned early on that compensation needs to be aligned to the drivers of that employee. Mm-hmm. So we can't, we can't have a blanket compensation structure for everyone. It needs to be commiserate, right. but there are people who are very motivated by, um, working on commission and they want to work on commission because they want to be able to be the authors of their own destiny, so to speak. Um, and they, they're motivated by that, but then there's other people that are crippled by working on commission and they Mm. can't do their job because they're too worried about making ends. Too stressed. And so we have found that having individualized conversations with folks to say, what is, what motivates you? Do you want a really robust uh, benefits package, um, and you want us to make sure that we're giving you plenty of days off. Uh, you know, there's just different ways that we've structured things so that we align that to what drives them, and then they feel like they really are being compensated. Um, and there's some people that, like me, I'm not super motivated by a paycheck because I there are other things that are drivers yeah. for me. And so I, I think that we have to get to know our people and know what their drivers are. You know, I, I love what you just said. Yeah, it's not money that really drives me either. Uh, I think what really drives me is keep my head down working, good things will follow. Uh, I've always believed in that. So uh, I've never pushed it aside thinking it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I believe if you keep driving yourself to the point you want to be, mm-hmm. um, the milestones will unfold. And next thing you know, those things are actually behind you and with you. Uh, have you not looked back? Mm-hmm. So uh Motivators for me is really truly of accomplishing something you want to accomplish and yet being creative to mm-hmm. do that yep. without constraints. Right, right. So uh, that makes the most of me. Right. Uh, I think that I, I, I actually swim upstream better that way. Mm-hmm. How about you, Angel? Yeah, no, it's about, it's about purpose. It's about mission. It's mm-hmm. about what, what are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to leave behind? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even from a more uh, personal egocentric type of deal, like well, what are you leaving as your legacy? Yep. Right. Your family legacy. Mm-hmm. What, what are you, what are you trying to call your community legacy? Right. right? What, what does that, what does that look like? And where do you see yourself? You know? Mm-hmm. So I guess that's a good question, right? Now you're, you're stepping into a, a, the highest seat in the town, right? <laughs> right. Like what is your purpose? What's your mission here? I think building strong, stable organizations is really a driver for me. Um, So to start with my family, it's really important that my family has a strong, stable foundation and that the the major cogs of our life are clicking along the way that they need to. And in my business, that we would have a strong, stable foundation. We have the financial health and the cash management and the personnel and all of those things that are foundational to an organization to be able to move forward with confidence to attack new challenges and, and new opportunities. And the same thing for a city. We need to have a firm foundation foundation. And to me, those things are our human resources, which is our primary 
asset as a community. Right. I mean, we're one of the largest employers, not the largest, but one of the largest employers in the city of Midland. Yeah. And we need to take care of our personnel. And we've not always done a good job of that. And so, you know, we, we have to give attention to that in every level, but especially to police and fire and some of our public safety, because our community depends on it. Um, And then the second thing would be facilities. We have, we have all of these assets of our community buildings that are the responsibility of the city council and the city staff to maintain. Some of those are failing right now. And so we need to give some attention to some of our city facilities. Um, Another one would be infrastructure. So roads and water. Always. We got to have those things. Yeah, always. And then, you know, beyond that, would be our finances, making sure, and, and maybe those are not in any particular order. Human resources is definitely first. I think the other three kind of hold hands, but the finances of our community with taxpayer dollars and the fees that come in, um, we we have to be responsible to the taxpayers and to the people of Midland to manage those things well. And so those are, those are the foundational things we have to get right. You know, you, you mentioned about human resources. I think that's extremely important, especially how we gather them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a conversation with a pretty good size uh, employer, and what he was telling me was, is that we're kind of swaying away a little bit from degrees and looking for specializations. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's really uh, uh, amazing, only because I've always thought degree, degree, degree. Uh, he goes, no, it's the idea, and I've gone through this, where you hire somebody with a degree, then you spend two to three months trying to train them to get them into where you're trying to ensure your 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 flow of business. Um, come to find out what they're really looking for, specialization. So that means we don't have to train if they can get specialized in a field in which we're looking for. Uh, and that way you just take off of the job. You know, <clears throat> there was a huge problem with this at one time where we would take our best guy, train that person, spend two or three months with them, um, and then get them into the system, get them into the healthcare and the retirement and all the other things that the HR has to do, and then turn around three months later after getting the training, they would turn around and walk. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't sound like, well, that's no big deal. It is a big deal because we just spent about $6,000, mm-hmm. if not more, yeah. to train that person, get them into the, the system, have everybody who's touched the paperwork yeah. to process all that, and then turn around and they, well, they leave. It's a real cost to your bottom line. It really yeah, is. It is. Yeah. So now we're kind of looking at the idea of, okay, let's maybe get some specialization so I don't have to waste my $6,000, $7,000, dollars worth of money trying to train you. Mm-hmm. You turn around and you take a course and you get certified, get a certification or something within that, that need. And, uh, hey, we put you to work and uh, mm-hmm. we'll check on you in three months. Yeah. There's actually an organization here in Midland you may have heard of uh, called Skill Point Alliance. It's a group that is training kids and and adults who didn't receive their high school diploma in many cases. Um, So they'll help them with the GED if they want to do that, but they'll also just help them get an electrician's certificate and different things. So I was privileged to be at one of the graduations for one of their courses, and there were electrical contractors there, like at the graduation, offering people jobs and recruiting. And so I think that is a testament to good work in Midland from the nonprofit sector for skill point Alliance, but also the need in our community for some of those skills uh, that we just don't have enough of. Yeah. And we've, uh, I think now we've have, I don't know what, maybe a thousand courses Mm -hmm. of uh, certifications. uh, And really we've started to build that quite a bit with uh, the interview I've had with somebody else that, um, 
that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, it's the idea of getting somebody, put them into the job, yep. uh, get them some money for what they've learned, uh, specialized and uh, the way they run. And again, I don't have to invest a whole lot of money into them. Right. Um, and yet we can look at their performance after a three month period mm-hmm. and see where they are. Yep. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I see a lot of different movements going on in, in Midland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really am happy for that because I live here. I, I want to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to be a part of our community uh, to enable it. Right. So that's where we are is BAM. That's excellent. Yeah. Very exciting. Uh, one thing I do want to point out that has changed in the last three years. Um, so Sarah Harris at the Midland Development Corporation worked with our council in our previous council and mayor um, to really get some metrics put in place so that local folks with an existing business can expand their business with help with from the MDC. So if they can demonstrate that they're adding to our tax basis or they're adding to employees in Midland with a job, then they're eligible to apply for some of those things. And we need to find out about that. So previously it seemed like, and, and this is not entirely a fair characterization, but there were many times where the, the outward appearance was that you had to know somebody right. to be able to attract those yeah. incentives. And so we wanted to democratize that and make that available to everyone. And so we've got those metrics in place. We have some groups that are taking advantage of it. And I really think that's to the benefit of our community, especially to the entrepreneurial community. Yes. And we do. Uh, we've worked with eight to 12 year old companies that mm-hmm. are, they're not growing. Right. Um, in fact, they've become stagnant. And one of my sayings is you got to keep it fresh, new, and exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you uh, the relationship between customers and you become stale. Um, it's kind of like the same thing you have at home. If you've got a, a romance going and it goes stale, trust me, that's why they call that the seven-year itch. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing holds true with customers and new businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple is a great one for that. Uh, they come out with something new every year. And because they come out with something every year, mm-hmm. it's uh, and not to mention they have a great marketing campaign and mm-hmm. strategy for that to attract the younger crowd. Um, but they do keep it fresh, new, and exciting. Mm-hmm. New things happening. That's right. Um, anything else that you can tell us about the direction of small businesses in Midland and and maybe things that might be available other than the uh, the growth? Uh, the only other thing that we haven't really talked about is um, what we're calling our one-stop shop. Um, so that if you are actually putting in a new building or facility, whether that's adding a porch to your house or a pergola, or if it's yeah. you know actually a new building and you're starting from scratch and you're doing all the engineering design work, we have a place at the Customer Service Center on Andrews Highway by... Um, the old Albertsons, I guess it's a market street now. Um, so right over there, you can go in and meet with everyone you need to talk to, to be able to do that. Um, and then we'll also have some access to that at city hall on the first floor where you're able to go in and meet with them. It's not open quite yet, but we're getting that up and going. And then we have something that we um, call the pre-development meeting. Um, so if you are developing something larger in Midland, you can go and sit down in one meeting and you talk to the fire marshal and the engineering design services folks and the city planner, um, water and sewer, everybody that you need to develop your plan well so that you find out if there's going to be any costs that you're not anticipating or anything that you're not contemplating. And so I think that's a really important thing to know about if you're going to develop yeah. in the city of Midland. Absolutely, because you're streamlining the process. Right. And everybody who needs to know is in the know. Yep. So. I like it. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got companies that we're actually working with in Houston, um, which 
the gap analysis shows that they're a pretty good fit here. They're going to, if they, if they make this move, it brings over probably 80, 80, 70 something employees. So uh, that's something we're trying to figure out, you know, whether or not we can sell mm -hmm. Midland to them. Uh, there's also a, a distribution center out of Boston uh, pharmaceutical, um, They've, we've talked with them quite a numerous of times. They like the idea about being in Midland so they can work El Paso, of course, Dallas and Austin. Mm -hmm. So, um, man, we need to try to put together something maybe so we can sure. make that happen because they'll bring a lot of employees as well and a lot of growth. Mm -hmm. um, anything else you want to put out there for small businesses with what you're doing? Uh, you got the last say, you got it. Well, I, not really. I just want to say that Midland's a great place to have a business and we yeah. are friendly to entrepreneurialism here. And so whether that's the restaurant space or the distributorship, as you've talked about, or the oil and gas space, you know, service companies and EMP companies, it's a good place to start a business. And there's a lot of yeah. folks that are friendly as investors and as people that can be support to you. And so uh, if you, if you're wondering if, when you're yeah. going to be able to do it, I think now's the time. Uh, you're yeah. never going to be totally ready to jump out there and get it done. Sometimes you do it in the middle of the worst year of your life like me <laughs> yeah. and, and and it works out because you push through it so yeah i think it, now's the time and midland's the place i i can't agree more i think midland is the place i just think we gotta get people to understand that mm -hmm. and sending the message that they can come here and look we've got uh, a great place for you to make revenue absolutely yeah. and i love that now's the time that's right. right. It's true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Well, so. Mayor, we know you got to run. Well, thank you all so much for absolutely. having me. I really have enjoyed well, this a lot. We enjoyed having you. Yeah. I'm very, very uh, thankful that you're here with us. Well, thank you. Y'all have a wonderful day. You too, and good luck. Well, thanks. Yeah, best thank wishes. You. Absolutely. Good luck to y'all too. Thank, thank you, you. very much.